As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone, and this is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. We're recording this the morning after we went out of the Europa League on penalties uh, on a dramatic night at the Emirates. Uh, We'll talk about that as well as a little bit about the new board structure and a few other bits and pieces. And we'll have a look forward to Sunday's game against a now Patrick Vieira-less Crystal Palace sacked this morning. I'm joined by Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark. Morning. Hiya. Hello. Morning. Uh, Pep Guardiola was a bit upset this week, apparently, because he was talking about when Julia Roberts went to Manchester United instead of Man City. Goodness knows how he's going to feel when he hears that Kim Kardashian was at the Emirates last night. Um, We were wondering about famous Arsenal fans, essentially. I had no idea that Kim Kardashian is an Arsenal, uh, was an Arsenal fan. She may not be, to be honest. Um, Who's the most famous Arsenal fan you've encountered? Adrian, on the breakdown. I mean, mm. I mean, obviously, it's it's like a, it's like the red carpet at the Oscars, isn't it? When when you do the breakdown, <laughs> but who uh, who have you had in there that you'd say has got the, that that fame level, or who would you like? No one of Kim Kardashian's level, I've got to say. <laughs> Although we did have another of the massive influencers earlier on this season, Logan Paul, who was probably you know he's got a lot of followers. Yeah, I'm not massively familiar with his work, but I did well, mention with it. his work. With his work, I mean, what does he actually, I don't know what he does. You know what, the kids will probably be shouting right now at the pod. But he came in, did he? He came, Yeah, he came in. Well, he did a pitch side thing with us. We almost got Jamie Foxx, the actor. He was very keen to come on, but was filming and it overran. So um, so we ended up not having him in, but but the door is open for him. So yeah, we've had, we've had some great guests. Funny thing is, our guests usually go in the box that Kim Kardashian had last night, but basically she blocked it off. It was a block booking for her and her entourage. Obviously, she brought her kids. So so we were a little bit short on celebs last night because they were all told, you can't come because Kim's coming. So, um, so yeah, that was quite interesting. Um, on my hit list, having seen her on the One show recently, um, declaring her love yeah. for Arsenal is Reese Witherspoon. She would be brilliant. Um, I'd love to get her on. She seems uh, very excited about the Arsenal. Um, Uh, So, yeah, that's that's the aim. 
I love it. You, I, by the way, it's a couple of things. I've always wanted an entourage. I, I've always thought, oh, wouldn't that be fun to have a few people just trailing along, carrying stuff for me? Amy, um, you've run into various famous Arsenal fans about the place, haven't you? Yeah, but I'm just thinking about a few that I haven't, actually, because I, I think, um, obviously, football has become so globally uh, important and mega in the last few years that I think all sorts of people you don't expect suddenly declare interest and, and what have you, but... Not so long ago, actually, it was, you know, Arsenal had quite a good reputation for having famous fans at a time when football was quite unpopular and looked down upon by uh, the, the great and the good. Um, years and years ago, I was in the Highbury Barn after a game and queuing for the phone box, because in those days, kids, we didn't have things attached to our fingers. We had to stand and wait for someone to put 10p into a machine um, that was Two. attached to a wall somewhere Two or whatever. I remember, okay. but go on. Yeah. Anyway, there was always a queue at the phone box at the Highbury Barn after the game with people getting in touch with whoever. And um, Johnny Rotten of the Sex Pistols, also a, a famed Arsenal supporter, now John just Lydon. came bowling over. And it was a bit that there was a party, basically glared at everybody so, and was so antagonistic and a bit scary that everyone just let him basically go at the front of the queue. It was like a parting of the waves, rather like the poor people sat underneath the waterfall at the Emirates yesterday who suddenly had to clear the <laughs> space. Yeah, well, we do. Um, yeah. But we at least the Emirates' problems route. in terms of uh, uh, liquid stuff are not as bad as that at Old Trafford for anyone who saw that clip going around on social media about no. the toilets at Old Trafford overflowing recently. If no. Well, there's been a fair bit of shit coming out of Old Trafford recently <laughs> about uh, our injuries. But anyway, by the way, a couple of things. Um, I'm told that um, uh, Kim Kardashian's kids uh, were in uh, uh, Katie McCabe and Viv Miedema shirts. So that's good, isn't it? I think that's very, very uh, encouraging. Uh, also, uh, Logan Paul, 25 million Insta followers. So that's a lot of clicks there, Adrian. Uh, it's pretty good. Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner's a big gooner, isn't he? Uh, I, I, apparently he's been to games. Is Ian, he not? nobody's going to know who you're talking about, mate. Kevin he's, Costner. All right. Well, anyway, right. Kevin Costner. Uh, very, I, I do think he should have gone to the Wolves game just for the headlines, personally. <laughs> but uh, anyway, apparently he's an actor... Uh, he's done a lot of stuff. Um, ask your parents. <laughs> we have 11 finals to go and, and that's it. That's the main focus now. So it starts already now in the dressing room to recover well and uh, and to change the, the focus. So that's what we have to do. Arsenal 1, Sporting CP1. Sporting went through 5-3 on penalties. A rather disappointing night, uh, made worse by a couple of injuries to Tommy Yasu and Saliba. Uh, contrary to what Eric Ten Hag might think, we're not completely injury-free. And why is he even talking about us? What is, what's it got to do with him? Anyway, um, Adrian, strong team last night. Some key players were rested, but Mikel Nudis was going to be a tough game. Almost a first-choice defence. Yeah, a lot of people, are, in hindsight, when I was coming home from the game, I had the radio on and a lot of Arsenal fans were calling in saying he got it wrong, went with too weak a team. And, and I don't think many people were really thinking that ahead of kickoff. I certainly wasn't. I thought I thought he got it right in terms of the players that, that he he sat out. Saka and Erdegaard and Partey need protecting. He gave Jesus a start, which I was all for. And it was a team that was good enough to win the game. 
And we could have won the game. It was fine margins. Obviously, Trossard 1v1 had a great chance. And it was, it was a brilliant header at the end as well. Yeah, we'll talk about that. But. It was a brilliant save. You know, a couple of good saves. Their goalkeeper was pretty inspired. I think we ran into a sporting team that played excellently over the two legs. I really do. I just think that they probably played slightly above themselves. And because we had rotated three, four, five players, it just impacted our flow, our control of the game. So um, I don't think there's any need for, for a big sort of review of it. It's It was just one of those nights. And let's think, the, the goal that they scored was just a very special goal as well, wasn't it? From, from 46 yards. It was a pretty good the goal. Head of Pretty good goal, but don't say there's no need for a for a review of it because we're just about to do one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. turn. we yeah. don't need to do a post mortem and, no. and sort of no. I don't know look for look for what went wrong. Particularly, I just think we were it was a very very even cup tie that that we came out on the wrong end of. Amy, the injuries. Um, Tommy's looked bad, really. I mean, the I mean, the player did a really nice turn, and he sort of left him doing the splits. Uh, Saliba, I mean, again, we don't know. I mean, I guess it's it's not worth speculating. Players will get injured in games, uh, whether we're playing in the Premier League or the Europa League. So it's one of those things, isn't it? Really, quite. I mean, I I, I definitely was. Um, I saw some people on uh, social media afterwards really losing their shit, you know, uh, about this and almost fault-finding in every conceivable way. Is this the worst thing that could have happened? And honestly, if you could have said what was the most dreadful set of... Uh, the last thing you want to do is play 120 minutes, then go out on penalties and get injured. Play. And I, I just think everybody needs to chill out a bit. I really do no. <laughs> on that front. And, you know, I, I speak as someone who was very pro Europa League in the last few years while Arsenal have been in it, have people have poo-pooed it slightly. And I felt it was a competition Arsenal really needed to take seriously in previous seasons. Um, this season is different. It's a unique set of circumstances. It's a, if not quite unique opportunity, it's a very, very unusual opportunity for Arsenal. And I just look at the fixtures ahead and when possible quarterfinals or semifinals might fall. I think once you get to a semifinal, you know, you're all in, obviously. Um, and indeed a final, you know, that's just fantastic, whatever the situation. But five more games, considering what's coming up, particularly in the last, you know, never mind the last 11, but when it really heats up come the last nine, I can't say that I'm... Everybody always wants to win, obviously, you know, whatever the situation. And I think the, the apart from injuries, the biggest disruptor maybe is momentum. And I think that that's one of the reasons why Mikel went so strong. Yes, he wants to win the competition, but he wants to keep momentum going. But I don't suspect there is going to be a great deal of, of, of uh, brewing over this. Uh, the Man City defeat was probably one that had a bigger impact and the response to that has been magnificent. I think this is something that needs putting into context within the um, incredible scenario that Arsenal find themselves in in the Premier League. And uh agree totally with Adrian. I thought Sporting were excellent over the two legs. Very worthy. And I'm not sure how much I feel, I feel motivated to argue the toss about who played or whether Aaron Ramsdale could have got closer to any penalties or whatever. There are times when those things are really necessary. There have been other Europa League exits where it's felt like a proper post-mortem unnecessary. This isn't one of them. 
No, no. As you said, Adrian, I mean, I saw that tweet you said outshot us seven to 14. I think you did that at the end of normal time uh, last night. They, I mean, as you said, I, I, I mean, they're fourth in the Portuguese league. Either the Portuguese league is a lot stronger than we uh, ever suspected. Or as you said, they just played really, really well last night. They did, and they played well in the first leg. And as part of the build-up to the game, I was going through some of the numbers from the first leg. Their expected goals was higher than any other Premier League team has managed against us all season. Their expected goals in that first leg. So they caused us problems. And they also caused us problems at times last night. We had a brilliant save from Aaron Ramsdale with his head, um, which was which was an interesting one. Yeah, yeah they, they were very good. Look, the players will be disappointed. Players from my memory and my experience, don't really think about fatigue or they don't really think about um, fixture backlogs. All they want to do is is play and win. So they will be disappointed because they want a medal. They wanted to go to Budapest and win win a trophy because you, how many seasons do you get at a club like Arsenal in your career? It's limited, isn't it? It's, it's a short space. Of t- yeah, it's a short space of time. Players do ne- never want to go out of trophies. But I think we can see the bigger picture from the outside looking in. And I am struggling to find a single reason not to think that that the exit will help us in our title push. I just think it it has to. And those extra games would have taken something out of us with the travel, with the fatigue, physically, mentally. So, and I would much, much rather go out in this game than go out in the semi-final second leg when you've completed the four games and um, and then you still get nothing to show for it. So I do see it as a slight blessing in disguise. But but in the same breath, like everybody, wanted to win it. So there's a little pang of disappointment. Yeah, I mean, it was a slightly weird atmosphere. I, I was watching on TV last night, wasn't it? But there was, I, I, I felt... There was a different sort of atmosphere to the league games last night, which I think also reflects the fans, most fans um, mix feelings uh, about the whole thing. Um, just yeah. a couple of more moments on the game. Um, the goal, their, um, our goal, by the way, I thought Reese Nelson got things going quite nicely. Uh, he sort of put in a cross and it lifted the crowd. Just I want to just mention that pass from Jorginho, uh, Amy, for uh, the goal. Another reason to think he's an excellent signing. I mean, we all sort of come round to it pretty quickly but that you know we've got players sitting on the subs bench essentially you can produce that sort of stuff this all goes well going forward doesn't it really we've got Emile Smith-Rowe who's not getting a kick yeah by the way and uh, that was one thing I found myself thinking about last night at one point I thought he's a player I would have quite liked to see in the mix and I know obviously there was all sorts going on that meant substitutions were more complex um, with the injuries and so on. But there is a wider kind of niggling feeling, really, about Emil. And it seems that um, Mikel Arteta, ha- you know, has decided that he really wants Fabio Vieira to be important. And it this is a completely over-the-top comparison because it, it, it's not the same situation. But remember when Willian first came and he sort of, it wasn't quite happening for him and he kept picking him and kept picking him and kept picking him and kept giving him minutes and games as if it was like, look, it's bound to happen eventually. And I think the club do see something in Vieira, but is he ready yet to be making the difference regularly in tough assignments or the toughest assignments? You know, 
we know Emil can do it. We've seen him in the Premier League before his injury, being one of the leading lights of the football team. And, uh, it, you know, he, he's really... Str- I, if I was Emil, I think I'd probably have felt a bit frustrated last night that he's not being granted chances. And that worries me slightly because I think he was worth a go. I, I think, Amy, if you were to canvas um, 100 Arsenal fans... Who would they prefer to see in the starting lineup yesterday, Emil Smith Rowe or Fabio Vieira? I would say that it would be between 90 and 95% of fans that would have gone for Emil Smith Rowe. That's yeah. how I feel yeah. as, a, as a fan. It's nothing against Fabio Vieira. He's had some good contributions. He's a, clearly a player of talent. But for me, Emil Smith Rowe is a bit of a difference maker. I, I think he's got far better finishing ability. The way he travels with the ball is a little bit more powerful and I think he can offer a little bit more without the ball as well. So is it a fitness issue or is it a stubbornness on, on you know on the on the staff's part to to as you say, keep giving Vieira enough game time until he comes good? I just I felt last night Vieira was a little bit off it and yeah, I would have liked to have seen either Emil Smith Rowe come on for him instead or or Erdegaard to to come on much earlier than he did. Um he I think he was one of the weak links in, in the team last night if I'm being honest. So yeah, it's an interesting dynamic what's gonna happen with, with Emil Smith Rowe. But we've got to talk about Jesus as well. I mean I'm sure that's on your list, Tony. That was that it was is. another very good cameo. I mean, it would have been longer, wouldn't it, Adrian? Um, I yeah. mean, I, I sense that they wanted to give him an hour, you yeah. know, 70 minutes or something. But obviously, with the way that we had to substitute two players in the first half, it, it would have been, it would have made things more complicated. But that was, you, he looks like he's back to where he is, where, so where, he, uh, where he was before. So sharp, the way that he runs with the ball, the energy, winning the ball back, making things happen, almost scored two goals in that half. I've got to say, as, as sensational as Trossard was at Fulham, and I think we all agree he had, a, he had a truly outstanding match, seeing one half of Jesus and one half of Trossard up front in the flesh, it just makes me think, Jesus has to play. He, he, if he's fit enough, I think he walks into the team on Sunday. That's That's my honest opinion. I think... This is because you didn't say this. You said, well, I, and, I, and I, I'm, I don't particularly want to quote you back at you, but you <laughs> said uh, uh, the other day that because you probably would start Jesus last night because mm. uh, because he's given him game time, but also because Trossard has earned his place mm. to be in the starting lineup next week against Palace. Mm. But you're feeling differently now, having seen 45 minutes of Jesus. Slightly. I, I just think he looks so sharp. He looks yeah. like he can make things happen. I want him in that starting eleven ASAP, <laughs> and I, yeah, I just think that he offers so much. And the fact that he only had forty-five in a funny kind of way might enhance his chances of starting at the weekend because there won't be as much fatigue hanging over him ahead of that game. It must be a consideration for Mikel Arteta to to use him from the off. And one more thing about the fatigue before we uh, stop talking about this game. Uh, And in fact, the Europa League for hopefully quite a few years to come. Amy, extra time. I mean, I know there were a lot of people saying we lost, you know, if we're going to lose, we should lose after 90 minutes and not get the extra time and all the extra fatigue. They've got a game in about 60 hours time. I mean, I know Adrian's saying players don't think about fatigue, but I mean, I guess we'll find out it will have a, whether it had a substantive effect 
uh, at the weekend, essentially. Well, I mean, we had the similar situation, albeit without extra time, but with travel last week and then played extremely well uh, against Fulham away. So, and then even going back to that Man City defeat and the, the if you like, might not have been as long, but they probably put more into it yeah. physically and psychologically, uh, then went up to Villa Park and, you know, were exceptional until well over the 90 minutes to win that game. So I think you can you can overplay it and you can underplay it. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that uh, Mikel Arteta, his staff and the players will be just trying to get them rested, prepared and get back out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's They've shown that. they can do it. They you know, they've shown that they can cope with a midweek heavyweight sort of load of some description, whether it involves travel or a massive team or whatever, and that they've responded well on the weekend. Yeah. It's not ideal, but it is what it is and they can do it. And Palace played Wednesday night, so it's only a, it's not as if they had a free week themselves. So no. um no. yeah, both and yeah, they're probably all of their first team played because it's a Premier League game. So in a sense, I think it sort of levels itself out ahead of Sunday. All right. Well, we'll talk about Sunday uh, in a bit. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. Where I meet uh, with the handbrake at time. Ian Stone, Amy Lawrence, and Adrian Clark here on the Athletics Arsenal podcast. Handbrake off. There's been a restructuring. There's a piece, not particularly long piece, on the Athletic website about the restructuring of the board. Basically, Stan Cronkier and his son Josh have been made co-chairs, and Tim Lewis is now uh, executive vice chair. Amy, we never used to know any of this stuff. But we we hear about it now. We read about it. What does it actually mean in in practical terms? Isn't it just formalising what the roles they've already got? More or less. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's hugely significant. I, I I think the only thing I find kind of interesting is that I wonder if it would have been gone down a bit differently if if they'd have just made Josh chairman rather than sort of sharing it, which seems slightly odd, especially as Josh on a day-to-day level does seem to be the, you know, the one with a lot more attachment and involvement to what's going on at the club. And and I think that just even from a personality point of view, he's become a more acceptable face, if you like, uh, over the period of time that the the KSC have been uh, involved. But I think on a day-to-day level, not a lot changes. you know, they've, they, they're still keeping the executive team at the board level, so to speak, quite small. They could have refreshed it by bringing in some more faces. I think that would have been quite interesting, bringing in a bit more football expertise. I think there's room on the board for someone who's an Arsenal man and a football man. That's been the case for a while. My view's not changed there. And um, 
that they didn't means I suppose they're happy with how things are going. As as we all are, really, to be honest. So, and we did recently. We spoke about the Cronkers on this podcast. You can go back to listen to the episode from February twenty third if you want to hear more. Adrian, you got anything to add? To Not this really. No, no I, don't, I don't take a great deal of interest. I'll be honest in 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 stuff at boardroom level. It, the club's ticking along nicely. I've got to say the 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 slim down restructuring of a couple of years ago seems to have worked well, doesn't it? And and you just got to look at the decision making. On the football side, from Edu and, and the people around him and Mikel Arteta, with Richard Garlick in there as well, of course. And I, I find it hard to find too many faults with no. with the decision making that, that they've taken. So, so yeah, it, let's just let's just keep rolling. That, that's how I look at it. Quite. Um, I did go to the London Football Awards on Monday night. I um, I think I slightly scared Mikel Arteta by the uh, the excitement. <laughs> That I felt. What did you do to it? I said, as I just, I, I, I just said, Mikel, thank you, and then I sort of set off about three or four others going, yes, yes, thank you for everything. And Group look, I didn't. No, 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 no. You know what it was? I, I, I. I the suit that he had on looked so expensive and lovely. I thought, I can't touch that. I absolutely can't. It, it was really, he looked immaculate in every way, but we just. It might have been quite weird if you'd have started touching his suit, frankly. Yeah, quite. Quite. So I no, but I, I I managed to restrain myself in the main, but uh, I was very excited, and it set off quite a bit of excitement uh, on the balcony. And it was a very Arsenal-heavy event. Um, Mikel Arteta won the manager prize. Uh, Martin Erdegaard, player of the year. Bukayo Saka, young player of the year. Uh, Rambo uh, got goalkeeper of the year as well, and it was all in aid of uh, Bob Wilson's Willow Foundation. Very last say, a very Arsenal-heavy event, but it all felt pretty good. And uh, apparently, just to top it all off, the winner of the raffle on the night was Vinay Venkatesh. He was, he was. Uh, the two boys, uh, um, Roman Kemp and uh, Alex Brooker, also who were hosting, also Arsenal fans drew it, and uh, and it was the uh, yeah Vinay won the raffle, and he decided to put it back in the uh, so they, put, a, yeah. they drew it again. They, yeah, yeah. It's, it's talking right. of Rome, talking of Roman Kemp, very briefly, we we've been trying to get him on the show and. Um, He's basically reserved Wolves at home on the last day of the season. And why not? <laughs> and why not? <laughs> he's reserved it. So he says, he says I, I do want to come in. I'll come in before, but can I please come in that day? And uh, what, on your own? And he said, no, no, I'll bring no, my dad. Bring I was like, dad. yes. Of course you'll bring your in. dad. Yeah, we don't want you without your dad, to be honest with you. Uh, anyway, Sunday, uh, Sunday, uh, we... Play against Crystal Palace. Patrick Vieira was due to come back to the Emirates, but he got sacked uh, this morning. They've had they had a couple of shots. I have sort of mixed feelings about it. Um, I mean, I guess there'll be some sort of interim manager. Hopefully, no sort of Sean Dyche type <laughs> new manager. Yeah, they'll just borrow him from the day, won't they? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, Adrian, we've got eleven cup finals at this point. Martin Erdegaard said it last night. Uh, we all know this, and the first one is on Sunday. Palace have uh, no senior keeper. They've got, uh, I think, they had a nineteen-year-old, their third-choice yeah. goalkeeper. Uh, but in the end, we just got to play our game and turn up, and hopefully, we can have another stroll like we had last Sunday. Well, exactly. I think last Sunday's the blueprint, really, isn't it? Control matches, attack, be clinical, <laughs> take the stress out of the situation. Another performance like that would be perfect. They're, they're stubborn. I've got to say, on Vieira, very quickly, I think it's a slightly harsh decision yes. because they've had a run of really tough fixtures and they haven't at any stage looked disastrous. 
They just look short of goals. They they do look well organised. They were playing for the manager. They just lacked a little bit of spark and energy, in my opinion, which they could have rediscovered, I think, ahead of the run-in. But it is what it is. They've definitely regressed from the last time we faced them. I remember them coming. Was it the two-all draw? We scrambled a 2-2 last season. When is it? They were superb. Very fast, energetic. They pressed. They were they were awkward opponents. They deserve to win that game. Yeah, but they're not that team at the moment. They uh, they have regressed. So I'm hoping that that's the Palace that turn up this weekend and and that we can we can polish them off. But they won't be easy to roll over. I was looking at their record: ten of thirteen away games this season. They've conceded one or none. That's ten of thirteen. So anyone thinking we're going to rock up and win four or five nil might want to think again. Seven goals they've conceded in their last eight games. This is a manager that's just been sacked, by the way. Yeah. Conceded seven in their last eight games. How many have we conceded? Nine. So th- they're not going to be easy to, to unpick, is, is how I see the game. Amy, I mean, it's obviously it's a must win. City are playing uh, Burnley in the Cup this weekend. So if we get a win, we go eight points clear. I mean, it doesn't really make uh, any difference because they'll have a game in hand. But psychologically, to come back from this after what happened last night and to to get a win against Palace and go into the international break with an eight-point gap, I mean, it's got to help, hasn't it, really? Trucka, trucka, Ian. One game at a time. Just think about this one and for what it's worth, that's, uh, that's the lot. That's it. Yeah. Okay. fair enough. Uh... (laughs) Very quickly on, on the game, a little bit more. Their midfield. I think that's where we can really dominate. Palace were obviously without Joao Paulinho, which helped us big time. And Fulham, sorry, Fulham, yeah. Against yeah. Fulham, sorry, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, that, that really helped us control that midfield. And if I'm looking for an obvious weakness with Crystal Palace, you could probably say scoring goals is their weakness, but I like all of their forward players, like Yazahas and Elise and Eze. They're really talented boys. Um, it's central midfield. And the thing is, Sambi de Conga is actually been playing every week, probably been one of their better options in central midfield and he can't play. So so I do think that that's an, that will help us control this match. And obviously with a rookie keeper in, if it is the rookie, you've got to pepper Shots. him, haven't you? You've got to Shots. pepper him. Yeah, quiet. Yeah. Amy, Thomas Partey came on last night. Every time he's not playing and then he comes on, and and you went and you you sort of go ah oh, right okay that's that's the control of midfield. I mean they were really pressing hard last mm. night. Thomas Partey mm. kept coming out with the ball. Um, I mean he'll be he'll be starting on Sunday, won't he? And it, and 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 if Adrian what Adrian's saying is right, he'll provide that measure of control that we need. Yeah, I mean I think. That- Actually, Arsenal, if we are going to talk about last night, uh, did play really quite well in extra time and mm-hmm. looked very much more like the Arsenal that you you know you hope to see. And Sporting had a lot more difficulty trying to deal with Arsenal uh, than they did in normal time, where you know they they were able to exert so much of their own pressure and intensity, and they dictated it in some ways the kind of pace of the game. Um, but they couldn't do that once the changes were made. So, yeah, you'd expect everybody that you, you know, from here on in, you're basically First team. in a position to pick your best 11 that are fit every game. And that fitness is key. We've got to keep as many of them rolling. And, um, yeah, I think everybody knows more or less what team to expect. 
Um, certainly, obviously, Saliba, the situation will be clearer in the ne- next day or so. But once the, you know, that's another thing about the international breaks that's giving me the heebie-jeebies. You know, <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, if anybody picks something up on international duty, I just sure. don't think I'll yeah. be able to bear if, it. If Tomiyasu hadn't been injured, I know this is a silly hypothetical, um, but if Saliba is out, would you, Amy, have thought? of putting would you go holding in at centre half and keep White at right back or would you have considered putting Ben White in at centre half and, and, and keep Tommy because that that is a bit of a blow if that is the option that Mikel wanted to take no it's a, you're, you're right I mean like we we'll obviously will have to uh, summon whichever gods we might um, <laughs> believe in or or uh, spiritual things if you're not religious at all and let's hope Saliba's okay because I think that uh, that kind of that 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 sort of diamond if you like of Ramsdale Saliba Gabriel and Partey (laughs) is such a foundation stone for this season yeah and although Partey's missed the odd game uh thankfully it hasn't been a long-term absence at any point for him everyone else has been more or less there and I think that's so important so keeping that diamond in place for the next 11 games or as many of them as humanly possible I think is really important yeah um I should say Abby is just uh, our producer said none of our Brazilians are in the international squad so that is really a relief I was resenting Gareth Southgate picking Bukayo Saka I'll be totally honest with you cuz I'd like him wrapped in cotton wool when that guy went through him at the end of the game last night I have to say my heart was in my mouth uh, but anyway he seemed to uh, get up and come away uh, okay by the way if you're a Ted Lasso fan um James from this parish um, was in it. <laughs> you can see him. Uh, he, he got mugged off in it as well, didn't he? Which was, he which was did. quite entertaining. He did, although let's not... Uh, spoiler alert, but he did get mugged off uh, <laughs> by uh, uh, Nick Mohammed, um, the Nick Mohammed character. But also, he did do an interview with Brendan Hunt, who plays Coach Beard uh, on the show. Uh, Hunt is, by the way, a huge Arsenal fan. Uh, here's an extract uh, of their chat. When he's in game day mode, like he's such a dude that you think Jason Bourne is going to have to deal with for the entire second act of the film. But uh, he, he has a, a cyborg quality to him. <laughs> yeah, um, and you know, cyborg is on your side. Great, um, yeah. but he sees he sees uh, Jason and me, and well, let's be honest, he sees Jason and just immediate big smile, and um, and he just says such lovely things about the show. You know, he's really. And he was, you know, like thanking us for the show. And it was just kind of overwhelming. And then we were, uh, we were again at, at Emirates. And I think that must have been after the last uh, home North London Derby. Because then we were on the pitch after that. And he came out and said hi. And, and then we were hanging out with, uh, you know, Rob Holding and Matt Turner and stuff. And uh, so, yeah, we met him a couple of times. And he's just, he's, he's a, he really enjoys the show. And it's really, it's that, that's, that's, that's fucking mind blowing. You know, that's someone who I care about, cares about what we're doing. That was uh, Brendan Hunt, who plays Coach Beard and Ted Lasso, talking to our very own uh, James McNicholas. Like I say, you can see uh, <laughs> James in the show. Apparently, um, 
Brendan Hunt likes listening to this show as well. So hello, Brendan. And um, <laughs> top man he is. Top man. Top man. I've got and to say, honestly, I keep um, people keep stopping me when I'm at Arsenal and saying, Adrian, not not. I don't know. They're not really talking about the breakdown or anything like that. Particularly, it's like Adrian love love the podcast, love handbrake off. I keep getting it, which is really really nice. So, well, uh, thank you. We yeah. appreciate that. You, we because I have people message me as well, and it is very very nice, it's and nice, we appreciate yeah. uh, you listening to us, uh, and hopefully, we'll have some a rather exciting last few months. Uh, let's have a uh, song to end. Is, uh, sorry, Amy, are you shaking your head? I mean, I didn't say anything there. Did you I say just something? You can't help yourself all the time. Just <laughs> just go slow, man. I am going. I, this is me You're going not. slow. Oh, this is me yeah. going slow. Can I just say, I took a visit to Bletchley Park the other day, which is uh, where the uh, Enigma code-breaking took place during the Second World War, and there were loads of signs saying careless talk costs lives and all this stuff, and I thought... I could not have worked here. I just could not have worked here. I'd have been first day off. I'd have been going, you know what I did yesterday? I cracked Enigma. I did. I, I, I don't tell anyone. So I'm telling you now, I, uh, that wouldn't have worked. So this is me at quite a low level of excitement, all right? I'm just letting you know. Um, uh, uh, listen, I think apart from anything else, and you don't get the benefit of this, but it's the look on Stoney's face when he starts to get a bit giddy that I think really... <laughs> You know, you have to keep your eye on. I'm a glass half full sort of guy. Can you imagine what he looked like when Mikel Arteta bumped into it? Can you imagine? Oh, no. I just... Thinking uh, yes. about him looking at that suit, I just... <laughs> <laughs> Lovely suit. Listen, my, dad, my granddad used to be a tailor, so I can appreciate the tailoring. I really can. Uh, let's have a song uh, to end the podcast. Amy, what you got? Well, I was thinking that we just had to leave the Europa League behind us and go uh, looking forward. So I've chosen a song called Onward by a wonderful singer-songwriter troubadour called Mark Kozalek. And if you don't know it, check it out. All right, we will. And uh, Adrian, what have, you, what have you got for us? Yeah, look, as much as I was, I was felt a bit flat on the way home last night, I do think it probably is a blessing in disguise going out of the Europa League. I do think there is a silver lining. So <laughs> I toyed with the idea of high ho silver lining. Just felt too, <laughs> but I haven't gone there. I haven't lads gone in a there, pub. Amy. It's lads in a pub at the end of the night, isn't I it? I haven't really? gone there. Good. It just feels wrong. It's too. Yeah, Amy's it's too covered much. her face. It's at too this much. Point. But what you might like is there's a, a song by a band called First Aid Kit, Swedish folk band, 2014. You will have heard this song on a number of adverts. It's got a really nice melody and it's called My Silver Lining. Show me my silver lining. I think it's a nice song and I think that's how we should view what happened at Emirates Stadium last night? It could be a silver lining. Let's hope it is. Well, uh, on a similar vein, uh, I've gone for Don't Matter by the Kings of Liam. <laughs> it don't matter to me. I mean, I genuinely, I'm, I'm over it already. And I certainly will be on Sunday at whatever time if we beat them. That's it then for Handbrake Off. Thanks to Amy Lawrence. Thanks to Adrian Clark. Thank you to Abby, our producer. And thank you for listening. And uh, we'll see you after the weekend. I'm Ian Stone. See you soon. Ta-da. Mm-hmm.